listening to sermon audio from First Baptist Church of Van Holstein. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. Well, good morning and welcome to the summer sessions. We are the B team. Everybody's gone out of state. When they heard that Joe and I were going to do this, they went out of state. So... Uh, but Jason's asked us to uh, talk with you today on the summer sessions. I hope that uh, you've had a great week. Up on the screen are some of the, the upcoming uh, summer sessions that we're going to have, I believe. Um, and I can't read that. There we go. So today's, uh, today's topic is up there, and you'll see uh, the rest of the, I think that's the rest of the summer, uh, pretty close to it. So... Um, Today we're going to be talking about the question, uh, does God care when we hurt? So before we do that, uh, I want to open us up in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for the opportunity that we have to look at your word today. Um, We thank you for the fact that um, you will teach us through that. Lord, a difficult question today. Yet we know that... um, You have a desire for us to understand. You have a desire for us to seek you and what you say about things. So we thank you for that. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have um, just to meet together as brothers and sisters and look at this. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're John and Joe, or we used to be known as John and Joe. Uh, We're now known as Jason's parents. All right. So, yeah, I don't know when that changed, but that's changed. Or we're also known as JoJo and JJ. So, uh, and, and just a little bit about ourselves for not everybody that knows us. So, uh, we, uh, we moved 20 years ago this month to Van Alstine. And so, we've been a part of this fellowship for 20 years. And at the end of the month is uh, significant for one of us, and that would be, at the end of this month, would be what? Our anniversary. Oh, I'm supposed to talk with this thing. Our anniversary. Our anniversary. And notice that she didn't say how long that's been. <laughs> Uh, basically because we used to say that and then we'd, you know, tell, tell a ridiculous age that we got married. But now we've been married so many years that that, you know, we just don't, we just go straight to it. So uh, 43, I believe, 43 wonderful years. So that's a little bit about us. You notice she didn't say anything on that particular part of it. Um, one other thing I think is important and significant about that is we are public education people. Um, and I did a little math because I was a math teacher. Sorry. but I was to, in the gym. I taught PE. Yeah. But to, together, we have 70 years of uh, public school education. All right. So 70. That means I had 65 and she had five. <laughs> but that, that is going to, I think, bend a little bit from what we say today. Uh, because as you know, in these summer sessions, it's really designed to be kind of a discussion. But um, because of our bent, and Jace warned me not to do this, but he's not here, so who cares? But really, what we want to do is we want to be able to look at Scripture today and just kind of go through Scripture a little bit and examine uh, what Scripture has to say about this particular um, subject, all right? And the subject being, does God care when we hurt? And so when we first saw this question... I thought, hey, this is going to be really good. 
because basically all I have to do is say yes and see you next week. Um, because uh, I think that answer may be obvious. But, um, you know, it always, and it seems this way, it always prompts uh, another question, doesn't it? It's easy for us to say, yes, obviously God cares when we hurt. But there's another question that's involved here, all right? Um, and uh, I think it prompts this particular question. Take a look at that question for just a second. Because when you are asked, hey, does God care when we hurt? The answer, yes, I think leads us to yeah, but. You know the yeah, but? And so as you examine that question, how can a God in charge of everything, full of power and love, allow his people to hurt? You know, the thing about the generation below us, then having been in public school education for so long, I, I get to interact or got to interact with uh, that generation, both as students and as teachers. They were a generation below me. Uh, and so I, I noticed that there was this great outcry for, yeah, I understand what you're telling me, but I want to know why. I want to know why. And so as we looked at this question, there, there are some truths that I think come from this question. All right? And so as we look at the truths up here, I think that there are some truths that we can start with. Uh, that look, So those will be on the screen. Uh, the truths about this particular question, I think we can agree on. So just read through those just for a second. So one of the things that we don't want to do today is to get up here and talk about hurt. Our particular hurt. Because no matter what we say about that thing, and in, in our 43 years, uh, we've had some. So have you. I, there's not a person that's listening to my voice now that hasn't gone through some kind of issue. And, and sometimes those are in various degrees. And so... Joe and I have gone through some as a married couple. And those were times that we could sit here and describe. But the fact is that all of you could do the same thing. And so the fact is, the truth is that everyone hurts to a certain degree. And I, I think one of the things Joe and I were talking about when we talked about this is there's a, 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 another word for hurt here a synonym that we see a lot in the Bible, and that is suffer. Suffer. We've all suffered through something to various degrees. And so I think that's a truth that we can accept and move forward. Uh, and I, I think number two up there is also understood. Okay? I mean, there is suffering because of poor decisions, and we've talked about that. Um, as an administrator, I often talk to students about, hey, guess what? You're about to uh, uh, suffer the consequences of your actions. So I think we can all uh, see that too. But I think number three is 
kind of unusual, all right? So there's examples of that. So Joe, talk to us about an example of uh, sometimes hurt is intentional. As a mom and a grandmom, a JoJo, uh, I have had to take my grandkids to get their shots, their vaccines. And uh, that hurt, I, I knew they were going to hurt when I drove them to the doctor. And when they look at you and the doctor pokes them as moms and grandmoms in the room, you may have experienced that. It hurts. And they're looking at me like, you brought me in here. You need to help me. And I did want to help them. Actually, I would have rather them poked me than my grandkids or kids. And I think every one of us can uh, relate to that. And I wanted to say, here's a lollipop. It's going to happen in two more seconds. You know, but that is an intentional hurt. But we do that in order to prevent something else. And so that truth right there is an example maybe of some of the things we're going to see in the way God works in our lives. But I think number four is mainly the one that I think the why is about. If it prompts any question about why God would do something, I think that one is the one that we want to look at. And so today, what I want you to do is I want to get, get you to open your word uh, and open to John chapter 11. And what we want to do today is we want to take uh, a look at this particular chapter in the Bible. It's going to be familiar to you, I hope. Um, the circumstances of John 11 uh, are it's very, at the very end of Jesus' ministry. In fact, within just a few days, he's going to go to the cross. It's at the at the. It's maybe the the uh, apex of his realization that this is going to occur. And I think there's some things that we can draw from this story. And so, what we'll attempt to do in our remaining time here is we'll attempt to look at this story in light of the question: Does God care when we hurt? So if you'll look at chapter 11 of John, I, I want us to look at a couple of aspects of this, all right? And so the first aspect that jumps out to us is in the first five verses, actually uh, five and a half, six, um, of this chapter. So I'm going to get Joe to read this to us. You follow along, and then we'll point out a few things about this. Will you read with me? Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So the thing that jumps out at us here, first, is the number of times that John gives us the information that Lazarus is ill. Check. Just look through there. 
In six verses, they say that five different times. Five. Interesting. Repetition is for what? You can say it. It's all right. I can hear you. Emphasis, correct? Yes. Repetition is to make sure that we get it. Lazarus is ill. And obviously in the context in which this is given, he's severely ill. They're not going to call for Jesus if he's got a cold. And so the fact is that because John mentions that five times, there is an urgency for this situation. He's suffering. And so they make it clear that, hey, this is something that we are concerned about. And we want you to be concerned about it. Notice the sentence there in verse 3. It's not, Lord, Lazarus is ill. What do the sisters say? Whom you love. The one whom you love is ill. So we, we catch the concern, we catch the deep concern that the, the sisters have um, for this uh, situation. So what turns this into what we want to examine today is Jesus' response. It's unusual. The response that Jesus had was to do what? What? Wait. Now, one of the things that I struggle with, and maybe you do too, in any form or fashion, is how do we approach Jesus with suffering? So what did the sisters do? Did they do something wrong? No. They, they made it clear. They went to the source of whom could take care of their situation. Correct? Is that the wrong thing to do? No. No. In fact, isn't that what we as believers are taught and exhorted to do? Yeah. And so... There's nothing here that indicates that the sisters were incorrect in what they did. And so as we relate this to our question today, does God care if we hurt? It looks like that there is an issue here with how he responds in the sense that he doesn't respond at all. And so the fact is that he doesn't respond immediately. He doesn't respond in a way that the sisters want him to. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been into a situation where you're asking for assistance and there's no response? And so we see in this story that there is response. But I think what we sometimes miss what we sometimes miss is what John records right before he tells us that he stayed two more days. It's in verse 5. Take a look at it. 
Read that for us again, Joe. Verse now, 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now Jesus loved, and he doesn't just say the family. Notice how specific he is. John points out to us that the relationship that Jesus had with these people is the same relationship that he has with us. He points that out before he records that Jesus made the decision not to go. A lot of what we're getting today and what we'll share from you, with you is from our pastor friend out in San Jose. And one of the things he wrote about this was he said, Jesus is very rarely early, but he's always on time. And so if that's the case, then this looks very intentional. Very intentional. Is there another way that we can look at this with any other thought? Was it because he didn't care? Was it because he was too busy? Did he have tickets to the Olympics or something? No. He had to celebrate somebody's birthday? No. There's no indication that there was anything going on other than the fact that he stayed away intentionally. So if we read that into this story, what can we then look at in terms of how he deals with some of our suffering? So in the first part of this story, Jesus doesn't come. Yet it's very plain that he cares deeply about the people that were involved in that particular thing. But I also think that uh, Martha and Mary had high expectations of him coming. You know, if you look in the Word, there's no demands. You know, you don't see Martha nor Mary say, come quick, we need you now. That's what I do. Help. Uh, you don't see that, but I... I sense that they have high expectations of when they ask him to come, he drops everything and he's on his way. And it doesn't happen. So what we're going to see next in the story then is because he makes this decision, what, what, what is the purpose, some of the purposes of that? So we're going to see that in four different instances. So the first instance is... The fact that John is recording this, John knows it, and so do the rest of the disciples. So there's an interchange between Jesus and the disciples. Okay? And that happens in the next few verses, but the key part about this I want to point out is this. Um, in verse 4, Jesus gives a hint about why he's doing this in order to teach the disciples something. Look at verse 4. He says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So Jesus gives us a hint as he's dealing with his disciples because all of us need to learn. So there's several different aspects of the story, one of which is the disciples. They're sitting here watching. And they're going to get to watch through the whole thing, by the way. The other instance is, is over in verse 15. 
He says this. Lazarus is dead. That's verse 14. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. So again, what he's doing, and by the way, do we, are we sitting here thinking, well, at that point, you know, the disciples weren't believers. You, you think that? No, but just like us, their belief need to be, needed to be deepened. Pretty good object lesson for us, isn't it? We may be in the midst of suffering, and one of those things is just so that we can see something that needs to deepen our faith. And so the disciples didn't have really have any kind of stake in this game. I mean, yeah, Jesus is these guys' friends. Yeah, they stayed at their house a couple of times. Uh, yeah, they're watching the situation. But now they, got a, they have a front row into what Jesus is going to do. So Jesus doesn't miss an opportunity to teach his disciples there, right? But let's go on. So as we move forward, now what we're going to see is now when Jesus does come. Because we've seen what happens when he doesn't come. So what we're going to read from now is we're going to... Uh, he's, he's made his decision to come. And so Joe is going to start reading uh, in verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So the first thing we're going to get is we're going to get an interaction now between Jesus and Martha. So what do we know about Martha? We know that Martha is a doer. I can relate. I'm a fix-it person. Let's call somebody. Let's get with it. How can we fix it? And we need it fixed now. Uh, my kids call me relentless, okay? So it fits. So I relate to Martha. I relate. Uh, I, she realizes her faith is strong in Jesus. Uh, she realizes that her brother, whom she loves, who she probably relied on for maybe uh, provision monetarily, because back then women wasn't seen in the workforce, so she looked to her brother, not only as she loved him dearly, but as a provider for her and, and Mary. I think uh, if you'll look in verse 24, I hear a grieving Martha. You know, Jesus says, your brother will rise again. But I also hear Martha saying, I know he's going to rise again, but what about now? Like, like now. I want him alive now. I don't want to wait. And that's, that's the uh, aroma that I see from Martha. And I think that we can relate to that. Uh, someone we know, I can name you many people that are suffering right now, that are hurting. Uh, they asked me to pray for them. I want it fixed now. I want it fixed now. In a minute. Okay, I'll give you five. Uh, I, 
I'm bent that way. I, you know, I'm working on it. He knows I'm working on it. But, oh, I so relate to Martha. I so relate to Martha. But her faith is strong. I see, I see that. And there's an urgency to her. She loves Jesus dearly. She knows what he can accomplish. And she wants to trust him dearly with this situation. Do I need to testify about your relentlessness? or no. y'all, Did y'all get that? Some of those I, mean, people. I can testify. I got stories if you need that. So, you know, so here is the first instance in which Jesus is going to meet the needs of someone who is in pain, hurting. Can you almost hear the question, by the way, if you read verse 21 and 22, there's no question there. I mean, she's not... She's not posing a question. But can you hear the question? Why didn't you come? Can you hear it? If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But Joe pointed this out, and I think it's so true. There's still an element of faith in what she said. We can question. We can make statements. And still, there's an element in which we have within us that says it's okay to do that. So notice what Jesus says to her. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha answers in the affirmative. Great answer. Does God care when we hurt? Well, Martha's hurting. So what does Jesus give her? He gives her what she needs. And what does Martha need in her hurt? She needs redirection. She needs refocusing. It's interesting In Luke 10, when we first meet Martha, she's griping about the fact that Mary's not helping her with the housework. And she tells Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? This is Luke 10, 40. Tell her to help me. (laughs) That's, That's pretty good. Go up to the Son of God. Hey, would you tell her to help me? All right. Be careful with it. Maybe that we do that. Jesus' response, Martha, Martha, if they say your name twice, that's bad. My dad said my middle name, that's real bad. You are worried and upset about many things. That's your bent. He points it out. That's your bent. But he says this, very few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Interesting sentence in the light of what is happening now. Later, her brother dies. Jesus is speaking with her again. And what does he say to her? I am the resurrection and the life. What was Martha's focus? It was on her loss, was it not? 
Hope you caught what Joe was saying about the situation. This is not just your brother dying. There's no indication that Martha and Mary had any men taken care of. They all lived together. Therefore, Lazarus was not only a brother, but he was a provider. He was the security in her life. Think about this. Not only is she losing a loved one, she's losing her person that takes care of her. Her earthly dad, provider, husband, however you want to put that, is gone. And what's her focus? If you'd have been here, if you'd have been here. So the first thing that we need to understand about does God care if we hurt is the fact that if it's intentional, because I think he intentionally didn't come, what was the purpose? Well, the purpose was to deepen Martha's focus. He tried to do it at the house. <laughs> Mary ain't washing dishes today. Mary's going to be sitting at my feet. Don't miss it. And now he's doing it again. And so this idea that Jesus meets us exactly where we need to be. By the way, y'all do know the rest of the story, right? Y'all do, right? By the way, Jesus did too. Just telling you. Notice that he didn't give her any hint there. Notice that Jesus had a plan. Martha's plan was for him to get there before he died. Jesus' plan was for him to get there after he died. So what does Martha do? After Jesus interacts with her, she goes getting, he goes, or she sends word to Mary that says, hey, he's here. So let's take a look at what happened. All right, starting in verse 28, Joe's going to read that. When she had see, said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. So what do we see about Mary? What are some of the differences? We already know she's different than Mary. What do we see? What's different here? Uh, one thing I see about Mary is that um, she runs immediately to Jesus. And I love that. I love that. And she's already weeping. She's weeping all the way, I think. Just crying. Just crying. And when she sees Jesus, what does she do? Falls at his feet. To me, I see an intimate relationship with Jesus through Mary. I see uh, Mary sees God is good. God is good no matter what. I think uh, through this experience that 
I see Christ's humanity. I see Jesus' heart. And I think Jesus knows what Mary needs. He, she needs him to cry with her. So he does. I see a compassionate Jesus. He, must, he meets us where we are. I'm very tenderhearted. I can, it, there's a lump right here right now. Uh, I can cry with anybody. I tell everybody, just call me. I'll cry with you. Uh, I'm so thankful that I see a compassionate Jesus here, a loving Jesus, so much that he just cried. He cried because he loves Mary. And it's a way that she can see, oh, how good you are, how good you are, how much you love me. It's, to me, it's a, it's a picture of the gospel. I see the gospel right here. Jesus willing, willing to carry a cross for me and you. He sees our grief. He sees our suffering. He sees our sin, our guilt. And what does he do? He willingly, intentionally goes to that cross. He sees past what Mary can only see right there. And when we suffer, Jesus laments with us. No doubt about it. He cries with us. And I'm so thankful for that. Notice that there is the question that Mary asked is the very same one that Martha asked. Did you notice that? But the response that Jesus gave was completely different. In Joe's description of the two ladies, we have the polar opposites of personalities and needs. Martha needed a conversation. Mary needed consolation. And so Jesus gives in our hurt exactly what we need. His response to the two ladies are different because the two ladies need different responses. It's not one size fits all. What a testimony about whether or not God cares when we hurt to give us what we need. Joe and I do not grieve the same way. I need something different than her. Same with you. Jesus is able to meet your need in your hurt exactly what you need. Now, we can't hear how those two questions were said. So we, we, we don't know the tone in which they were given. But I suspect that Mary's tone in the, the statement, if you had been here, my brother would still be alive, would be different than Martha's tone. But Jesus didn't need to have tone to know because he knows our heart. And notice what his response to her was. Where have they laid him? 
So when Jesus comes, Jesus gives us exactly what we need. So here's what we've examined. We've examined the fact that sometimes Jesus doesn't come. And then we've examined the fact that sometimes or when he does, when he chooses to come on the scene, he gives us exactly what we need. So let's look at one other aspect of this, and that is when Jesus saves. Now, I don't want to go all Greek on you, okay? But I do want to point out some things that we've learned through our study of of how some words come out. Okay? So don't think I know the biblical language because I'm reading uh, a translation. But I want you to look at the words in verse 33. He was deeply moved. And the words in verse 38... Once more, deeply moved. Now, when you see those words, we would assume that deeply moved means that he was emotionally um, moved off a comfort zone to sorrow. Yes or no? No response, so you don't understand English, right? Deeply moved. Wouldn't you, don't you assume because the verse that we've all memorized, Jesus wept, we assume that he wept through emotion of sorrow. So that kind of doesn't add up in some ways. Because if it was sorrow, what's he sorrow about? Lazarus being dead? Uh, Just an aside, he's about to pull him out of the grave. He knows what's going to happen. He knows exactly what he's going to do. So where's the sorrow? What, What kind of sorrow are we talking about? Well, we know that in that interaction with Mary, he was deeply moved when seeing her. And as Joe said, he she needed that emotional support. So we know that's part of it. But actually, the translation here of emotion is disturbed and angry. Disturbed and angry. Isn't that interesting? And by the way, when we see Jesus wept, but we see before that there were people mourning and crying and wailing, there's a little backstory of that real quickly. You brought in mourners. The louder that you mourned and yelled and screamed, the more you gave respect. That was part of their tradition. So I guess they hired whalers. I could be one of those, just, you know, whale loud. Okay, what do you do? I'm a whaler. Okay, well, no. These people came in as not really through emotion. They did it as part of their tradition. Jesus didn't. The word wept there was a much quieter, reserved. So when I saw that, and then I saw this deeply emotion thing, I kind of wanted to see, what do you mean disturbed and angry? What do you mean disturbed and angry? So, you know, there's, some, there's a point to that where I think we can look at that a little bit. I think uh, Jesus was deeply moved because of the effects of sin on us and our world as we see it today. I think sometimes he might have... Uh, Maybe for Lazarus, 
he knew he was going to bring Lazarus from the dead back into this life. That's another way to look at it. I think uh, Jesus weeps for the living, not the dead. So the fact in verse 36, if you look at it that way, it changes the way you look at it, right? The Jews that were watching said, see how he loved him, meaning Lazarus. But in actuality, really, he's showing the weeping for whom? Mary and Martha. Jesus is not weeping for the dead. He's weeping for the living. How much more can he say about how he cares? He cared about the hurting that those two were going through. And he showed it. Now, I don't think at this point that he, at that point, snapped his fingers and go, yeah, I think I'll just raise him from the dead. I think that decision was made prior to him coming, correct? Would you agree? You don't have to. But I would look back at that and go, well, this is something that he knew he was going to do. Yet he never lets on anything. He meets them exactly where they need to. But then it gets to verse 38, and he's deeply moved one more time. And so when Joe says he's really angry about sin, think about it. He's about to go through a vicious death. In Why? about a week. In about a week. In about a week. Why? Why is he having to do that? Because of sin in our lives. Not his. In our lives. So think about this. He's deeply moved in distress and anger. He's mad. It's a rage. It's a rage against sin. Now, if you read it that way, that changes the, all that right there, doesn't it? It changes your perspective on what's being said. Because now what he's doing is he's going to show that he has power over death by raising Lazarus. And then he's going to show the same thing within the next two weeks through his own death and resurrection. He has to go through this, by the way, because of us. So this is a precursor. This is a preview of what is going to occur very soon. And so... we got to hurry. Huh? we got to hurry. Okay. How many times have you said that in the last 43 minutes? Okay. All right. So quickly, Martha, once again, says, uh, by the way, he's going to stinketh. Love that word. King James, stinketh. He stinketh. All right? We've heard that in our 43 years also. Yes. Stop it. So by this time, there had been an odor. And notice what she, he says. Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Once again, he upgirds her faith. Once again, always looking to help us through this caring. I really like the next part, his prayer. Did you notice his prayer in verse 41? Father, I thank you, you have heard me. Guess what? He had already prayed. Guess what? He had already asked the Father to raise Lazarus. 
This one wasn't a snap decision. He already knew. Who, who, for whose benefit are, is he raising Lazarus? People around him. Ours. Mary and Martha. Not Lazarus. I'm thinking Lazarus didn't want to come back. I'm thinking that one of the reasons Jesus is mad is because he had to bring Lazarus back. Poor guy. We never hear another word about Lazarus. Have you notice that? No interviews. He didn't post. He didn't even tweet this out. Hey, guess what? Guess where I was? No books. We don't hear again. I'm thinking he was pretty sad. He says, Jesus says, I know you've already heard me. I know you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. For our benefit. For our benefit. That they may believe you sent me. And then of course, his power over death is... is, um, it's pretty good. I mean, he doesn't say abracadabra. Notice that? He doesn't do, he doesn't wave his arms. He doesn't do anything other than say, uh, come out. And he does. I read where um, it was a good thing that he specified Lazarus. Because if he hadn't, the whole graveyard would have been up and at him. I, I think that's amazing. That's an amazing fact. But we know he could feed the 5,000, so yes, it would have been okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it would have been okay. Yeah. All right. So we've looked now at several aspects of this. And so this last aspect is for all those. And, and the Bible says in verse 45, Therefore many of the Jews, after seeing this, believed. But this was the mechanism that got things going. So I'm going to encourage you to read the rest of that chapter. Because of this event, it upped the ante pretty hard. And Jesus knew that. He knew that. So the question that we started with, with is, does God care if we hurt? And so what we said about that was, well, yes, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. But it leads us to the why question. But what I hope we've seen out of our study of John 11 is some, some things here that really lead to us to some conclusions. And, and these conclusions, I think, as we look at them up there, Keegan. There. There you go. Oh. I hope you understand that Jesus loves you. Even though intentionally he stayed two days, he loved them. And he loves you despite what you're going through. You know, and as believers, it's tough on us sometimes to be in the midst of a trial and realize that Jesus, through this trial, is loving you. He may not answer that the way you want it answered, but it never changes his love and compassion for you. And so when we look at that, we don't always understand the why. So if today the second question is the most pressing question to you, the second question of why would God allow this, then I think we missed the point. Because I don't know that we'll ever understand all the whys. But what we can understand is that 
He's going to love us through this, and He cares. And by the way, can you trust His judgment on this? Can you? Well, the fact is that since He was willing to die for us, we can trust Him when we hurt. And so as we finish this question, as many of the questions that we have talked about this summer, there's so much more that we could talk about, so many more aspects of it. But as, as we look at this question of the overriding thing is, what is it that God wants us to do through our tribulations? How is he interacting with you right now? What is it that you need the most that Jesus is trying to provide for you? It's okay to push back. Hey, if you'd have been here, you wouldn't have died. Really? Yeah. What is Jesus trying to do through this hurt for you? Because you know he loves you. He knows he, you know he cares about you through whatever it is that he asks you to do. And so we can rest in that truth today. Anything else, Joe? I'd like to close with, um, I, this is in the book that Jace holds up every week and I forgot it. So it's by Rebecca McLaughlin. It says, Jesus knows the end of the story. He alone will wipe away every tear from our eyes, but it will never stop him from being close to us when we hurt. Jesus knows every heartache and every pain. And in another one place, I just want to end with this. Pain is a place of special intimacy with him. And that's by Rebecca McLaughlin. So we thank you so much for being with the B team today. We hope that you'll come back uh, as we finish out the summer sessions. And I'm going to have Joe to close us in prayer. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Sweet Jesus, what a privilege it is to bow before at your feet. Father, we recognize that we're on holy ground, precious holy ground. I pray, Father, that you open our eyes to see that you're good, that you're great, that you're our refuge and our strength. Oh, Father, how you care and love for us when we hurt when we suffer, you hold us up with your righteous right hand. You walk with us. You carry us. You are our shield, our stronghold. And we praise your holy name for that. I thank you, Father, that we have your promises, your word, your character to lean into every day, Father. I pray that you teach us to crave your word, to desire to meditate on your word every day. Because through our weakness, you make us strong. You give us joy in the suffering. And, Father, that's a miracle from you. We pray, Father, in your name, in your holy name, for faith, for more kid-like faith. 
I thank you, Father, that we can pray in your precious name, knowing that you know what's best for us, and we can trust that best. We can trust it with all our heart, mind, and soul. I pray that you teach us to testify of your love for us with boldness, Father. Let us shout it from the mountaintops how much you love us. I thank you for showing up today. I thank you for the way you show us through Mary and Martha how much you love us. The relentless ones, the doer, the fixers, and the ones who sit at your feet. I thank you that wherever we are, you know how to serve us, you know how to love us, and you meet us. You draw us near when we ask that you draw us near. You give us wisdom when we ask in your name. Father, give us a faith to pray, expecting great things. We have so many great things to pray about. We have a mission team in Wyoming, Father, serving you this week. Let it be on our hearts to pray. We have land on Cartwright Road that you're building a church building, and we get to be a part of it called the Joshua Project. I praise you and I thank you for the vision that you've given us and for the work that you're going to do through us. More than that, Father, I thank you for loving us enough to die on a cross for our sin, not yours, for ours. You intentionally and willingly walked to that cross, suffered Oh, Father, how you suffered. So that we may live with you in a place called heaven. Oh, Father, let that be on our lips every moment of every day so that the folks around us know you, Father, will know the power of your salvation because it's you that does the work you just use us. But it's your power and it's your love and it's your strength that does it all. And we give you praise and we give you honor to glorify your name. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.